127 on the mic exists simply as an extension of our college ministry, 127 at FBC Bryan. Our prayer is that this podcast be used in accordance with you belonging and investing into a local body. We hope that this resource is growing in a relationship with and understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yo, 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 what it do, podcast? <laughs> I tried to hit that. It didn't work. You were like looking up to the ceiling, so I thought you wanted to hire now. I, I did. And I tried, and it didn't work. I almost got there. But one day they'll let me lead worship, you know. Who is they? You, Jason, our college, our, our entire college minute. That's a strong term. Some of our college ministry students. Yeah. Are going to let you? Want me on this. They don't just let me. They want me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they want you on the stage? <laughs> on the stage. To lead worship? To you lead could, worship. You could lead the mean triangle. <laughs> the triangle? Yeah. Have we ever had a triangle? I don't tri- think we've ever had a triangle. triangle on stage. I don't think so. Uh, I mean... Why not? What what yeah. instrument would you play? I don't know. I mean, probably n- probably not the vocal cords. If I'm being <laughs> realistic here, <laughs> See, we we had a pretty strong auto tune in the back. Yeah, that's true. You'd sound like T Pain. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know when you can really tell like they're off key and it's really adjusting them. <laughs> that's probably what will happen. <laughs> I can't do dr- the drums are just hard for me because it's like you got too much stuff. You got two legs working. <laughs> got two legs and two arms working at this mm-hmm. all at the same time. That's too much. And then, um, what else is there? Keys? No, no, no chance. Too many fingers. Um, and feet. (laughs) You have to use your feet too. Um, it's not as complicated, but I I see that. Guitar. I feel like I could get if I put enough time into it. Play the bass. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like those are still very complicated. I don't know. It's not bad. What would you play, Caleb? Uh, the the piano. Yeah, that makes sense. Because he does already. That makes sense. You could play literally everything. Who? You. I'm not good at the drums. <laughs> I'm with really? you. Really? Like, I've been. So, John, John, um, I don't know how to explain this well. Like, I want to play the drums. Yeah. Um, but I'm not good at it. And so, it's a strong combination here lately of air drum practice. Mm, I do a lot of air drum and air guitar. Yeah. And then just like sneaking in and playing the drums at random times. And I think that I'm getting a little bit better at it. Okay. But it's still like, it's so far. I don't have that built in. Yeah. yeah. It, would ha- it would take a lot of extra work, but I, I would be okay. Uh, most of the other spots on stage. Yeah. There are some people that are really gifted at just like picking up something and just learning it so fast. Saul. Yeah. That dude just yeah. picked up. I mean, I guess he probably knew keys and then hopped on a drum set. And I don't know. That's crazy. Took off. What's, uh, what have y'all been listening to recently on the topic of music? listening to it can be a podcast Liz. i'm just curious because mm. trying to find some some new niches podcast nothing um which is sad but also music nothing really what are you doing I mean, you probably pray in your car yeah. no that well <laughs> spiritual answer. i'm very yeah very spiritual in my car to the we're gonna revisit this again i don't have air conditioning in my truck right now yeah yeah and so in order to listen to anything so the drive from my house is basically like harvey mitchell to six to church prior crest to the church yeah so it's not a it's not a peaceful experience um with the windows down and so you either have to turn something up really loud yeah um, or it's nothing and so right now and sure. and i've been in the habit of probably like the last year it's really just been nothing like there's been no noise hmm. in my vehicle which is not bad but I'm, I'm just thinking because i always jump into the discover weekly or the release radar and and pull whatever random stuff comes out of there but the sunday set lists which yeah. Worship initiative is fixing to release another one. Really? Um, is like, I really like 
just that I like well put together, like thought out sets yeah. um, for worship stuff. And you don't get that on Spotify. Really? Nobody's just like, here's our entire worship set from Sunday. Ready? Go. The legality of that doesn't work, yeah. but for them to put together something that flows like really well in worship. So I don't feel like I'm just hopping around mm, um, is, is kind of life giving. Um, and then in the, uh, uh, in the podcast world, I will always like keep going back to the way I heard it with micro. I don't know if I've heard of that. So what's it about? Uh, so micro just basically like take takes stories uh-huh. that he's heard from random people, and then he does like a deep dive research on the story and gives the true story of like oh. what it was. And so it, he'll go from everywhere from like baseball to the industrial world to like he's all over the place. And it's it's just an information grab yeah. in really really random spaces, which is something that I like. Like if if I can, we we call it just filling the knowledge gap. Yeah. And so if there's something you don't know, go find out what it is. And the information is normally at your fingertips to find. That's and he's a great storyteller and a great writer. And so just to sit and like to hear him talk and tell the story, you, you're just like, hey, like I feel like I'm with my grandpa. <laughs> he's telling me the that. story. And, and so learning random facts um, yeah. from somebody because he's all over the place. Uh, <laughs> really, like literally yeah. mentally he's all over the place. And there's no telling what you're going to get sometimes. But it's cool to learn from people like that. Mm, I love that. Uh, Math City. Especially in Spanish recently. <laughs> I don't know why. He's been in that Spanish gig. I've That's been funny. like listening to Spanish worship and it's pretty good. Um, listening pod- to worship in different languages is honestly like it's powerful. I can tell. Especially if you can like remotely understand it. Yeah, it's not I've me, been, but I've been learning like trying to understand more of the Spanish phrases and terminology, which I've been able to do a little bit. So it's been fun. But Mav City, um, yeah. I've been podcast? on a John Mayer. Oh, Re- like just for the last like <laughs> three months, honestly. Okay. But podcast 127 on the mic. I know he's going to say that. Uh, but other than that, not really. Yeah. That it's so, a straight we're on. I love it. Well, that didn't set me up really well, to be honest with you. Um, I didn't think it was going to. Hey, does, does what, you should, how, how could you teach uh, us? Like what, teach us about what you're, oh, like what are you listening to right now? Teach you. About what I'm listening to? <laughs> that, that probably wasn't it either. Uh, yeah, it's not a bad transition, but I mean, I can say what I've been. I, I mean, I asked you all because I've been trying to find stuff. I've been in this like, I think a classic one is just like crime documentaries. That's what my wife does. And I don't know what it is. It's just like, there's just something about figuring out truth that's just like, I don't know. I don't say life-giving, but just powerful. Yeah. Um, And like just the process in which they find stuff out. It's just crazy to me. And so, um, that's been kind of the podcast gig besides, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll usually listen to like podcasts, like Sunday messages from certain churches and Mm. and stuff like that. But songs, um, (laughs) I've been in this weird, like Ed Sheeran phase, the red hair phase. Um, I don't know what it is. There's nice. only there's only like three songs that I listen to, and then it's like right back to worship because I feel super unholy. But um, <laughs> that's kind of been the gig. But um, yeah. So now that y'all have been educated, um, we're talking about discipleship. Mm. Good old discipleship. Um, so you know how we usually oh, there was a. I'm just making noises. Oh, okay, I'm cool. in that state today. Okay, I love it. Um, with the normal flow of podcasts, we usually have an idea. We kind of define the idea. So what's sort of a definition that we can kind of build off of for discipleship? I think when you look at Matthew 28, uh, verse 20, Jesus says, 
to make disciples of all nations. And then he describes what that is, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Mm. Um, and I'm with you until the end of the age. And so this idea of discipleship is this idea that you are going to teach someone all of what Christ taught and you're going to teach them to obey it. You're going to share the information of the scriptures and you're going to teach people how to live in accordance with the scriptures. I think that's really discipleship. So how do we pray? How do we read the scriptures? How do we engage with people? How do we engage with um, non-believers? All these things. Yeah. I, I don't want to derail the whole thing, but sometimes I do. Sometimes it's just like, hey. If you want to derail this, monkey. I'll, try to keep, I'll try to keep up, but we'll see. Monkey wrench, just throw it in there. Caleb, Caleb said a word, and I agree with everything you said, so I know. Um, but he said a word, it's the, it's the idea. It's the idea that. Yeah. Um, because the word discipleship doesn't appear in the Bible. Mm. Disciple does. Disciple does. Discipleship doesn't. Yep. And so when, when that word isn't, isn't in there, then it becomes ambiguous in the Eng- English language to mean what we want it to mean. Mm. And it can be personal to me. Like, what does my discipleship look like? How am I following Christ? What's the, what's the pattern that I do? And, and so you would take the Pauline, like, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm. That, that's, the, that's the approach to discipleship that I take for most people. Now, yeah. people are wired differently, and I'm learning that more and more, that some people don't follow well. Some people need to be instructed very well. They don't mm-hmm. naturally just like grab a hold of something and just like, I'm going to follow you as you're following Christ. Um, and Paul even experienced that, I think, in his relationships with people. Uh, and so my approach would either be like, hey, just walk beside me as I as I chase Jesus and I lead a family and I, mm-hmm. I'm in a ministry and those things, then learn some things. And some people are like, I can't do that. I don't have the, yeah. the, the, the competence or the desire or the observation skills to do that. But that would be my side of discipleship is like, how am I following Jesus? Um, but it could also be my activity in helping other people hmm. follow Jesus. And so like, what, how am I, what am I doing? What am I teaching? How are they learning? How are they growing? Um, because as, as he said, like what we see from, from Matthew 28, um, go make disciples. Hmm. Um, and, and I'm going to, I'll, I'll loft this out there uh, from the very beginning of this. And maybe this will, will give us a place to stand. Um, Acts 14, 21, when they preached in the city, they had made many disciples. Mm. Now, if, if Matthew 28 is the process of discipleship, but this verse says that they made many disciples, Matthew 28 is lifetime. Mm. That's not something I get to do in your collegiate career. I, I don't I don't get to check all of the boxes that Matthew 28 brings out there. Baptize them, I can probably do, in the name of the Father. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Mm. I, I don't have that ability. I got zero chance of that. And so if discipleship is a lifetime thing, but becoming a disciple is an instant thing that we see in Acts chapter 14. They preach the gospel and, and we have disciples. Um the church then in my mind has forgotten the most important part. And so if I'm going to say, Hey, how's your discipleship going? It can be, how are you, how are you displaying Christ in front of people, but also how are you leading people to Christ? Mm-hmm. But we skip that part. We all, we often think of discipleship as how am I leading people to look more like Christ? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of dead people oh. that need discipleship. <clears throat> And we forget about them yeah. because the first step of discipleship is becoming a disciple. And if we yeah. want to be a church that makes disciples, we have to be, we have to primarily focus on evangelism mm. first and then see people 
take those steps because discipleship's mm. not in the Bible. Disciple yeah. is, and disciple is instant, not mm. not process. Yeah, and so we've confused the two. So, so with that, how how then do we define disciple? I know there's like a an easy definition. It's like a learner, right? Sure. Am I, am I trolling? I think it's just like a learner yeah. or observer or or whatnot. So, how beyond that do we define like disciple of Christ? Kelly, here we go. Here we go. You got it. Well, I'm going to go from the negative again, I I think. And and I heard this from a professor not too long ago. The word disciple in the New Testament um, doesn't mean life stage. Um, And what I mean by that is so often we think of um, here's how here's the ministry model. We see people converted to Christianity and then we see them plugged into discipleship. And when they get plugged into discipleship, they become disciples. And and that's like the stage two. And then once you've gone through whatever the church has designated your discipleship process, then you can become disciple makers. And so one of the, the and you may not have heard of this, but 2010-ish, when, when the discipleship shift really took place in the church, um, and, and it there was a longer runway than that. But for me, when I was really paying attention to it, there's a, a church in Idaho they came up with this will model and it's called real world discipleship and unbelievably effective. I, I don't want to misquote this, but they were, they were a community of maybe 20,000 people and 8,000 people in the community were in their discipleship groups. Oh, wow. And so they were, they yeah. were, they were killing this game yeah. um, as far as what discipleship looked like and their discipleship will, the discipleship model that they followed went from um, baby meeting Jesus figuring out like becoming a Christ follower. And then it went through life stages. So it was like baby to toddler to, mm. to pre-adolescence to teenage years to young adult to adult. And you couldn't be a disciple maker until you got to the adult side of it. Mm. Um, and so we, we made discipleship like this staged process. Um, and so the, the challenge with that for me is when you look at, when you look at the word disciple in the New Testament, it, it's not like JV Christian. Mm. And we think about that that way. Like, I don't mean that to be an insult, but a lot of times we go, yeah, hey, yeah. you can't disciple until you're a varsity Christian. Um, I need somebody to disciple me. And so they, like a college student comes to me, hey, will mm-hmm. you disciple me? Why, why ask me? Well, because you're the, you're the guy. Like you're, you're it, you're it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's weird for me, but, but I understand like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the college pastor. So yeah. And, and so if your ministry model is designed around stages of, uh, understanding or stages of like Christ following that doesn't appear in the new Testament. Mm. The, the word disciple is in the gospels and it's in acts and then it's gone. Yeah. And why, why, why does Paul not use it beyond that point? That's a great question. <laughs> Be, I mean, because it, it basically they went from like, we understand the process of learning mm-hmm. and what that is, but but we have to just like get beyond that it, to the understanding that everybody who becomes a Christ follower is a disciple. Yeah. And everyone who becomes a disciple is led by people and leads people. Mm. It, there's like you, there's you have like to a stage. Yeah. There's thing. not a stage thing in that. Yeah. Um, and, and so you, yes, like I will argue um, because it's my point with Kanye and I love it. Paul, Paul modeled it. When he first became a Christ follower, he didn't become a leader. He didn't yeah. become a, a church leader. He didn't Kanye launch a church and charge people admission to it type guy. Yeah. Um, he went away and he learned some things. But even in that space, he had people following him. 
Yeah. And so I think of people in our ministry who meet Jesus, who naturally are just like leaders and people look at them and they go, well, now you're following Christ. I'm still going to follow you. I was following you before because you're a leader. Now I'm going to do that. We all have mm-hmm. those people in our life. And so I need to get beyond, we need to get beyond like, like what it means to be a disciple. I'm going to say that a disciple is a Christ follower Yeah, and just end it right yeah. there. That's not a stage thing. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. I like everything you said. I don't have much of a thought. He, he had everything on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you kind of brought up this idea of, of leading people and also being led. And so I think we should probably break this down into like two sections of being led and then leading other people. So why is it important to be discipled or to be led um, in, in, the, in the words that you used? I mean, I would say you're obviously not Christ. You don't have infinite knowledge. So you always can grow in knowledge. And so to be led is to to grow in knowledge and to grow in faith and to grow in obedience and to grow in understanding of all that he commanded us to do. Um, and specifically for us, like who maybe are graduated from college or still in college, like we have a lot to learn. Let's be honest. We nah. have probably only been following Christ <laughs> for a couple of years. Yeah. Maybe some of us, you know, more than 10, but like, even then we can always learn from people who've been following Christ for 20, 30, 40 years. That's good. And it doesn't have to be a stage thing. It can just be someone who has been following Christ and can teach you something that maybe you, you don't know about it. They don't have to be more mature than you. They don't have to be um, necessarily have been a Christian for longer than you, but they can teach you something that maybe you hadn't already known about Christ. And then the same thing on the flip side to be uh, teaching someone else, they don't have to necessarily be younger than you. They don't have to be less mature than you, but you have grown in Christ in a certain way that you could teach them and help them to grow in Christ with. And so I think that's really the point of discipleship is not just to find someone that's younger than you, that you can, you know, teach them necessarily like how to become you, but this is how Christ has changed my life. Um, in this specific area. And I see that you could use this too. And and that's edifying and building up for the body. I think that's discipleship. That's good. I, here would be my like des, devil's advocate play that I, I think I hear a lot of the time. And I, I totally agree with you. Um, there are the people that, you know, attend Sunday morning, they attend group life and uh, listen to gym. Then they come Sunday night, they're in a Bible study, but they don't see the importance of discipleship. Mm-hmm. They think they, they're learning all this on their own. They don't need someone to, to be directly, I don't want to say over them, but giving them insight, giving them wisdom. What would you say to those people that, that don't see it important enough? Um, proper understanding of the gospel drives mission. Um, always like, we'll just, we'll do that. And so if, if the gospel is important to you, which it should be, yeah. okay. Which, I'm going to say all Christ followers, it should be your prize. And so if the gospel is important to you, then you have to, Put yourself into this functional space that leaders are learners, always. Everybody mm. that I've been around, um, the greatest leaders in the world are the, the best learners. That's good. Um, and so if if you can say, okay, the gospel is of utmost importance, and I, I want to be an influence, A.W. Tozer, I want to be the greatest Christian that's ever lived, and and that was his pursuit of just mm. like, of, of knowing Jesus well and putting him on display to other people. If I want to do that, then I have to constantly be in a state of learning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the things is, is, is so often because we're in a hyper educational space, a lot of times like we, our learning experiences are paid, mm-hmm. um, or they are, uh, from people that have, uh, the, 
the right degree and the right title and all of all of that. Mm. Um, I appreciate 100 percent. And I think the Lord spoils me and is spoiling our ministry. Um, And it's not my fault outside of just really being available. I'll say that where college students come up to me and go, I learned so much from that Mm. of me bringing a message. And I'm like, well, good, because it's the Bible and you should. Yeah. But, but if, if I'm honest, I'm surrounded by really smart people. I have relationships with people way smarter than me, with way more degrees than me in, in seminaries and other places. And I learn from them, but I don't learn the most from them. Mm. I learn the most from, from college students. I learn the most from experiences. I learn the most from difficult things that we walk through and like great things that we walk through. I learn the most from mm. like my, my 13 year old just being honest with me and having a conversation and sparking a thought in me that mm. goes down really deep. And the only way that I, that I can do that is because I go in, in every space I can be learning something. Mm. And if I'm open to that, then, then my molding to become more and more like Jesus, my <laughs> discipleship mm. happens from, from toddler Christians, from arrogant college students to, <laughs> to broken college students that are going yeah. through difficult things to, to guys way smarter than me, but, but it's positional. Why? Because I believe that the gospel is important and because I believe it's important, then it drives mission. And my mission is to yeah. know, know and follow Christ. I mean, it's our, it's our churches, yeah. you yeah. know, to, to, to make Christ your all. That's cute. But if you think about what that really means, mm-hmm. um, it pushes you into a pretty good, like, I must be growing in the knowledge and understanding of Jesus. I must be learning. Yeah. Yeah. I would say... Um, to answer your question of the person that maybe hears Jim on Sunday, that they hear John on Sunday night and they're involved in a Bible study, mm-hmm. but they don't see the need of being discipled one-on-one. I would say this, and, it, and it's it, hopefully it's not super blunt, but like that's easy. Let's just be honest. Being in a Bible study and, and being in church on Sunday morning and Sunday nights, it's easy mm-hmm. yeah. because it's not directed at you. In a, in a lot of ways. And so, and someone else has done all the work. Yeah. I mean, that's the part that irritates me. Yeah. Um, like I chewed your food for you. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't want to be like a mama bird to all of you. It's, it's gross. Yeah. Um, and eventually it becomes ineffective. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I would say like preaching on Sunday morning when you're attacking a problem or you're going through a, a story in the old Testament or the new Testament, we, we hear these words like, you know, sin leads to death or, or sin leads to consequences, but it's so much harder when you're going on a one-on-one discipleship thing and saying, Hey, your sin, what you're doing, what you're doing right here is leading to death. And I think that's so much easier to just hear yeah. on Sunday morning and be like, yeah, sin leads to death, but then never want to change your lifestyle because of it. And I think that's the main reason why mm. people don't want to be discipled is because they don't want to be told they're wrong in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm. So it becomes a lot more personal at that point. Um, listening to someone who knows things about you personally. Um, and sure, like someone on, on stage can know something about you, but then for someone to directly speak over you and, and be like, you're living in sin or giving you encouragement for the things that you're doing is, is a lot more powerful. So um, we kind of hit on this earlier of, of discipling others or mentoring others. Um, and I, I want to do the same idea of kind of attacking a misconception. What would you say to the people who, are looking to maybe disciple someone, but they're believing the lie of they're quote unquote, not ready. They don't have mm-hmm. anything to teach this person. Like, what would you say to that person? I would say that the majority of teachers or disciplers in this world are not going to have their PhD. 
And so don't feel like you have to, please don't, (laughs) don't feel like you have to have a PhD or in theology, or you have to have studied the Bible for all this time to be, um, infinite in knowledge because there's only one that's infinite in knowledge and there's only one that is completely wise. And so like even the feeling of, I don't feel like I'm ready to teach. Like that's the enemy. Let's just be honest and say that's the enemy because God has used your experiences for his glory to teach you something about Christ, to to teach you something about life. And so when we discredit that, we're really just discrediting God's work Mm. and we don't want to be found doing that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That, I love the the learned point there um, because a lot of times if, if I were to get Joe PhD to disciple me, um, he's in a box. Mm. He just is like, I, I loved still do seminary education and, and, and even like the idea of doctoral studies um, because it will allow me to focus in, like to zoom in on one space. Mm. Um, but, but it's also sometimes kind of dangerous because especially if you do that in a I mean, my seminary degree is in discipleship. Yeah. And so um, if I were to zoom in farther on that, um, then I can box myself in and how I function in discipleship Mm. and and try to just replicate little me's in there, but which also kind of handcuffs my learning. Um, And and so I'm going to go all the way back to what what the Bible terms disciple, um, which would be the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. I mean, that was the flip that happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if if that's the thing, if you want to be involved in discipleship, have and be asking the Lord for um, evangelistic opportunities um, to be making Christ known in all of your spaces. Well, John, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Neither do I. Mm. Um, It's not easy for me. It's uncomfortable and it's supposed to be because I'm dealing with dead people and that's yeah, not yeah. a fun job. And so like in that, if, if you want to be about discipleship in its most basic and most powerful form, make evangelism just a prayer cry for you often that the mm. Lord would put people in front of you that you can be sharing Christ with in every and all situation and be like the first stage discipler, mm. um, mm. which... And we would, we would champion, like, I, I believe that the Lord, um, or, or heaven rejoices in that space. If that's the discipleship thing that you take up. So do that first, there's mm-hmm. a lot that comes after it, but, but you want to be a disciple maker, <laughs> yeah. lead them to Jesus. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the easy one. That's good. Yeah. I, I can speak a little bit, like I've had probably a handful of people mentor lead me personally. I think the most powerful leaders or mentors have been the ones that have just been open and honest, not so much the ones who have so much knowledge about certain topics. And I think mm-hmm. there's there's mm-hmm. power and there's importance in that. But I think even more so someone who is open and honest um, and someone who um, isn't, I don't want to say an open book because some people are harder to open up to, but sure. um, I think someone who shares in life experiences with someone is a lot more powerful than just dumping of information. And um, like we said, like I think it becomes a lot more personal in, in that light than um, someone who's just like, all right, let's read this verse. And this is all the knowledge I have. Take it and run with it. Um, but yeah. again, that's just personal experience for me. And so yeah, have a thought. I've heard a, I've heard a one liner that I really like and it's, here we go. We don't connect in our pretend perfection, but our shared struggle. We don't connect in our pretend perfection, but our shared struggle. And so it's this idea that you had said that mm. I, I, I'm going to learn a whole lot more. Yeah from you sharing your struggle with me and this is how you grew from it this is how you saw jesus in it then i i am pretending to be perfect and know the scriptures this way and and i don't have any struggles because we can't relate to that let's be honest and so 
we don't connect in our pretend perfection, but our shared struggle. So come on. Um, so I, a lot of this we've already kind of hit on in our like first like few minutes, but, uh, hopefully to dive in a little bit deeper. Um, I'm going to ask this question and now it sounds like a dumb question because of what John said earlier, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Come on. What is, is an effective, I guess, in your opinion, an effective form of discipleship. And we already kind of attacked the idea that there's not like one right way to sure. do it, but are there wrong ways to quote unquote disciple someone or what's just like an effective form um, of discipleship? I don't know if I could teach from the negative on that question. Um, because I'm, uh, let's just take the Shema. Let's just take the greatest commandment. Let's take Jesus summarizing the law. Um, and put it in there. Like if you will learn to love God and you will learn to love people, then you'll be a disciple maker. Mm. That, that's just the, the ease. I mean, again, that, that verse is a cheat code yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we don't, that we don't get. We try uh, to complicate it so yeah. much. Yeah. Um, and, and hear me, there was zero, there was zero purpose. I'm, I'm just going to put this out there. When we started reading and praying the Shema at 127, mm. I had zero agenda. <laughs> I didn't know what it was going to become of it. I don't know if we're going to do it for a week. I didn't know if we're going to, it was going to echo for a couple months and we're three years into it now yeah. of just mm-hmm. reminding ourselves of that. Why? Um, because it, it's, it's become this thing, this, this cry. We haven't put it on a shirt. It's not a sticker. It's not anywhere. It's just, this yeah. is, we pray it, yeah. um, that that stirs our affections in so many spaces. And so because we've made discipleship, this thing that we try to put into a box or put into a binder or put into a book and just some things that you follow, we've left out the evangelism side of it. Mm. Um, and leading people to Jesus is making disciples. Mm. Um, but then I will also say that, yes, helping, helping other Christ followers follow Jesus um, more clearly, more openly, more easily, more passionately, um, helping them do that is also making disciples. It's part of the discipleship model. And so if each of those things um, uh, are, are true in that space, uh, that's where I'm going to teach from the positive in that. Just like look at God, love mm-hmm. him well, allow the overflow of loving him well to allow you to love other people well, and you will naturally make disciples. Because here's the negative. Discipleship is hard. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it deals with people and people are hard, just yeah. difficult yeah. or mm-hmm. sinful, broken. And so, so if I'm going to commit to, to love people, then I'm going to go, well, loving you is going to be difficult. Mm. Um, and so your discipleship is going to be difficult because we're going to contend with your sin. We're going to, we're going to struggle. Um, all of those things are going to be true. And so we'll make it personally for me. Th- there's a lot of places in the Bible that just talk about like, Here's what possible discipleship looks like. Uh, older women trading younger, younger women in, in Titus. It talks about different things like that. Um, for me, um, Ephesians 6, 4, like I am called to disciple my kids. Mm. That's that just straight up. Like, yeah. I, I, I have to lead my family. And that's really clear from the Bible. Um, and, and both of my boys can be turds. <laughs> there, there are moments where I'm just like, yeah. oh my word. <laughs> Like, who are you? Um, you have all of my sin ability multiplied. Um, and so, so even in the difficulty of that, I can throw my hands up and be like, nope. Yeah. I'm just going to release you to Satan to be tormented. <laughs> Go. But, I, but I don't yeah. because like I have a high calling. One, I adore them. Yeah. Um, but even we all could say this, like the people that we love the most sometimes just drive us crazy. Um, yeah. And so I, I could just release them to that, but, but I have a calling from the Lord yeah. um, to lead mm-hmm. them. And so, so if you're, if the Lord has given you a space and he's given you a gift and a passion. And so 
we have Joe college kid that just really, really loves basketball. Mm. And, and, and in that Joe. he's going to play basketball sometimes. And the Lord's going to bring people into his life that he can use that space to reflect Jesus, to be a disciple maker on the court. Like mm. you, you can do that. And so I would say like in every space, there's going to be a biblical precedent that pushes you um, into some sort of function. And so first Peter 410, like everybody is called to use their gifts to serve other people. And mm. some people are like, well, basketball is not a gift. I'm probably going to surprise you this year um, by some of the things that we're developing in 127 to help you use your passions to be a ministry to other people, mm. um, because that's what discipleship looks like. Yeah. And so figure out your passions and your gift, use them to love God and to love other people, and you will make disciples naturally. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, once again, we complicate it so much, but you look at Jesus who had the first disciples and there wasn't ever just this. Um, there wasn't a lot of instances where Jesus just took the scriptures and opened them up and said, Hey, like, what do you think this means? A lot more of the time it was them asking Jesus questions and Jesus answering their questions with his wisdom and his knowledge. And then also like John 21, they were, they were fishing and then he prepares a meal for them and says, Hey, come, come join me in this meal. So I think once again, we overcomplicate things. We, discipleship is uh, really so much just about pointing people to Jesus, pointing people to what he did and how he lived. And once again, we complicate that, but sharing a meal, like how can you use your gifts to meet the needs of other people? Because that's what Jesus did. Mm. The son of man came not to, to, uh, to, to serve, sorry, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so discipleship of service too, I think. Yeah. That's really good. That's good. Yeah, using your gifts to serve other people. Yeah. This may be this may just be me in the summer and the most recent book that I've read. Um, and this isn't a direct shot, but I think just more of a shot inward. Um, I think I don't know. I think we get so caught up, especially in our Christian culture of like, I need to do this, I need to be involved in breakaway, I need to do impact, I need to do like whatever it is. And we just lose sight of what the true mission is, even of these organizations. Like we just get so caught up in need to be a counselor, need to be a volunteer. I need to do this. But at the heart of even these organizations is, and should be, if it's not discipleship and making believers and making them stronger in their faith for Jesus. And I think we just like lose sight of it. We become so busy. Um, and I, I don't know, I think we just lose sight of the goal of, of what the gospel is. Um, and, and what our mission mm. is within the gospel. Sure. Um, mm. And so, um, yeah, I have another thought. You go Just, for it, bro. First Corinthians talks about, um, in first Corinthians 12, he's talking about tongues and prophecy and, and desiring these gifts that are, that are spiritual for the building up of the body. And yet at the end of the chapter, he says, but desire the greater gift. And then he goes on to say in the next chapter, what is the greater gift? Love. And then he mentions, at the end of first thing, first Corinthians 13, that faith, hope, and love will remain, but yeah. of all these that love is the greatest. And so even in the discipleship process, our heart has to be to love. Like that is the driving force that we love other people and we love God. And because of that, other people see the outpouring of God's love for us through us and it touches their hearts. And so I think even in what you had just said, we get caught up sometimes with position yeah. And with authority status. and status. Yeah. And we forget the the point of those is just to love people really well. Yeah. And so love people. It's, it's really simple, but it's really hard. So. Good. <laughs> You're helping me transition this really well. 
Um, so I'm guessing it's going to go to John and then maybe back to you. Uh-oh. Um, do y'all have any final encouragement, any final points about discipleship for the people that they can, I guess the, the final five, as John likes to say. I said the final 5%. Um, yeah, college ministry is unique. Um, <laughs> so unique. I, I said this the other day, like we, um, it's college ministry is junior high mentality with adult responsibility. Mm, that's a good one liner right that's there. That's a good word. <laughs> um, and I, I need to write it down cause I said it to Jason when I said it, he looked at me like, oh, so good. Um, and, and so like, it's just true in so much of, and we joke about it. It's yeah. like, like, what am I going to do with my life? Who, who do I date? What do they love me? <laughs> like it's, it's junior high with puberty just all over again. And so, um, do you love me, John? I do. I love you a lot actually. <laughs> and so the, you don't have to question it. Um, and, but what comes along with that is doubt. Yeah. So often. Mm. Um, and, and so people are just like, I, I don't know what God has for me next. I, I, I don't know if I should lead in this space. I'm not qualified. All of those things. And, and sometimes slow playing stuff like that is okay. But, but a lot of times, um, if, if you've clearly seen from, or you clearly see Jesus, if you've been spending time with him, if you've been engaging in his word, you've been, you've been praying or spending time in, in community, then he's equipping you for, for good works in all kinds of spaces. And, and I don't think there's a start date for that. And so I was thinking about like what a lot of times we put discipleship with knowledge. Mm. Um, and, and I was reminded of Apollos and, and it's a, a cool thing that happens at the end of Acts mm. chapter 18. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man who was competent, who was competent in the use of the scriptures arrived in Ephesus, in Ephesus. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit. He was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus. Mm. Although he knew only John's baptism. And so he, his, his resume is good. Yeah. And he's, he's teaching and speaking accurately about Jesus and he's eloquent and he's fervent in spirit. Verse 26, he began to speak boldly in a synagogue after Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and they explained the way of God to him more accurately. Hmm. Um, which is, which is kind of sweet. Cause th- these people were like, I'm hearing this. Yeah. You are these things and you've missed it. And so instead of me being in the audience going, shut your mouth, you're like, instead of that, they pulled him aside and they explained to the way of God to him more accurately. And then verse 27, when he wanted to cross over to Acacia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. After he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. And so he, he took his, they took his natural giftedness, his natural passions, pointed it in the right direction, mm-hmm. helped him understand, and he took off running. He was effective for the gospel. But it only happened because in, in love, they directed, they taught, they redirected yeah. this guy to be mm-hmm. more effective for the gospel. Um, and they didn't have the platform. They weren't the keynote speaker. They were an audience member. Um, who was completely involved in Apollos' discipleship. Mm. Um, and, and so for college students to go, for me to go, hey, like you have been given a gift and a passion, and the Lord is just asking you to step, to step out mm. gracefully, to step out in love, not arrogantly to be in front of people. But mm. if you take this approach, the Lord in his kindness is, is so faithful to, to use that in powerful ways to multiply it into spaces that you'll never see yeah. um, and into spaces that you'll never be able to touch. 
They, they weren't going to be able to go uh, over and vigorously refute um, the, the Jews in public with the scriptures. They didn't have that skill set, but he did. But he was just looking the wrong way. And so in love and in grace, people redirected. And, and college students can do that mm-hmm. um, in an in a unbelievably powerful way. Good. Yeah, my last thought would just be First Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so for those that are uh, fearful and they don't think that they're qualified for discipleship, remember that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim, that's the discipleship there, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into light. And so this idea that as followers of Christ, as disciples, we are going to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light because the whole world needs this marvelous light. And that's discipleship. Come on. So that's good. My last thought. And then uh, we can hit the, uh, hit the song. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I, I think the sweetest discipleship relationships are the ones where both people are learning and both people are teaching. Please. Mm. That's good. Um, and um, I, I really do think that, that the best learner, the best leaders are the most eager learners. And so um, take that with what you will. We'll see you guys right back here next week. And uh, we'll see what happens. There's probably going to be some craziness because I will be on garage sale sleep. So will I. Everyone here will be on garage sale sleep. And so... Can't tell you what's going to happen next week, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) We'll see you guys. Bye-bye.